0: Open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. Uh, I, I want to tell you once again, and this is really where we're hitting it today. This section of the book of Galatians, I think, is key to the whole book. And so you're here today. Uh, man, this, is, this, is, this costs double today. Okay, this costs double. Uh, double, not, double of nothing is double nothing. Anyways, but um, I, I just want you to know that this is uh, an amazing passage Uh, A passage that really holds the key uh, to this book and maybe even as you think about some things that you're struggling with, this might hold the key uh, to how for you to think about your life and think about your life in Christ. I've told you earlier that, um, that Galatians talks a lot about the way you live the day after, the day after. And what I mean by that is this, you, you come to church, you hear the gospel, you, re, you, you respond to the gospel, and, and then you, the next day, what do you do the next day? Maybe you go to camp, and, and you, God speaks to you, and you understand the gospel, and you come home, and, and, and what do you do the next day? How do you live the next day? Uh, How do you live the next day and every day thereafter? And so today is one of those passages that's really going to really handle that question. This is the way we live today, the day after faith, after faith in Christ. And I would say this, and every day after that, every day after that. And so uh, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ we're in the midst of that it's today and every day after that until he takes us home and so if you'd stand in honor of God's word I'd like to read to you starting at verse 15 going down through the end of the chapter God's word says this we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners yet Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order that to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Verse 17. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ... In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. God, I ask your blessing on your word as I've read it. I pray that as we look at this, that this would uh, be that transformation, that you do your work in us, that uh, Holy Spirit, that wrote this passage, gave it to us through Paul, would now work in us, changing us from works-based salvation, a works-based sanctification, a works-based life, filled with self-effort and do-it-yourself and all this other things of our own pride, and that we would now live trusting in the complete work of Jesus, both for our salvation and our sanctification. We thank you in Jesus' name amen you may be seated Um, as you think about this passage if you're here the last couple of weeks uh, you remember that Paul started out and he says what are you guys doing I can't believe uh, you're so crazy that you received the gospel the real gospel and faith and then I left and now you're bailing out and you're trying other ideas you're trying to add works to it i i, I wonder about you I, I wonder what you're thinking and he talked about his own faith that he had come to know jesus and and that as he had come to faith in christ himself and then he went and shared the gospel and began planning churches it took him many years before he went and he met with peter and the others cephas and And he met with these ones, and they realized that they were sharing the same message, the same message. In the last passage we looked at, we have Peter visiting uh, in Antioch where Paul was. And at that time, uh, Peter eats with Gentiles. He eats with Gentiles. He has no problem. Uh, Paul was a Jew. Peter was a Jew. James was a Jew. Barnabas was a Jew. Titus was not a Jew okay? Most of those in Antioch were not Jews. They were Gentiles. And so as they were eating, they were eating, and and Jews had this thing. A couple of big, big things that they thought of often were circumcision. It sets us apart. We're different than you. We're God's people. You're not God's people. And also, that that what you ate. Uh, We eat clean food. You eat dirty food. The dirty food that you have is pagan food. It's been given to idols. It's, we don't, eat that food, nor do we eat with people who eat that food, okay? And so Peter comes and he's eating with Gentiles because of the gospel. He realizes that the gospel doesn't, no longer separates them, um, that, that, that their connection with God's people is now replaced by the, the love of God, the grace of the gospel. And so now Peter has no problem eating with the Gentiles until, until uh, some folks from Jerusalem that came uh, connected with James showed up and then he goes, oh, I gotta go, I gotta go. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. No, no, uh, not tomorrow. I can't make it. And he, he backed away from those Gentile believers. He backed away from those who had trusted in Christ. And so Paul uh, confronts him and he he, he confronts him in such a way and he says, he talks to him and, and he, and this is the big transition. Paul confronts Peter about the inability of the law to justify him, to make him right with God. And so the law is useless when it comes to justification. And this brings to us to a, a segue into this passage. And I want to say this, the whole thing with Peter and Paul was not about Peter and Paul. It wasn't just telling a good story. It was telling a good story that really happened so that they would learn a critical message. And this morning, uh, we have a critical message when it comes to walking with the Lord, our salvation and our sanctification. I use that word sanctification. Um, It's connected with a a song that we sang. uh, Consecrated. Lord to thee. It's the idea of being set apart. Uh, the word sanctification is the process of being set apart. Another word that's connected with this is holy, to be made holy. And it's the process, sanctification is the process of why, how God is changing us from what we are or were into what he has saved us to be. Okay, It's the progress that we make. And so this is what we're going to be talking about. I want to give you the outline of this passage just real briefly and buzz through it and then give you seven uh, seven points this morning that I just feel like we have to camp on. We just have to. Uh, these are so critical. But if you look at this passage as I read it, verses 15 and 16 highlight this, that the works of the law don't work. The works of the law don't work. And, and when you think of the works of the law in the book of Galatians, it, it's the idea, it's what God prescribed and he says, do this. And, and sometimes as we look at the Old Testament, we say, well, God said, do this, do this, do this, do this. And that sometimes in our mind, we say, well, if we do everything, if we do everything, then uh, God will be happy with us. He shares his heart. If we do everything, uh, God is good, or God is good with us. And um, Paul highlights here, and he highlights with Peter as well. But he highlights for the Galatians that the works of the law don't work. They would have thought of circumcision. They would have thought of this food. They would have thought of the Ten Commandments and other things. And and, and the idea is that most of us think quickly. If I follow all the rules. God will be pleased and we'll be in good relationship. If I don't, we won't. And Paul makes clear here in Galatians, but he also does really the whole book of Romans reiterates this over and over again. Um, The works of the law don't work. You look at verses 17. uh, I'm sorry, yeah. um, Really the middle of verse 16 onward. Okay. Uh, Through 18, you see the the corresponding, you see the works of the law don't work, verses 15 and part of 16. And then 16 through 18, the rest of 16 through 18, you see faith in Jesus Christ works. It works. And it works for bringing you into salvation. I want want you to see those different words there works or faith. Works or faith? My works or faith in the perfect work of Jesus, okay? You can say it, my work or Christ's work, okay? And so faith in Jesus Christ works. That's down through verse 18. And then 19 through 21, you see the life that works. The life that works. And I say the life that works, it's kind of like, what do you do with the days after? How do you live the days after? Uh, After coming to faith in Jesus, how do you continue on? Where do we go from here? And I trust that that's kind of a a huge theme for us as a church, right? what, What should we be doing right now in this time and in this place? How should we live out our days? How should we live from here until the Lord either takes us home as a church or as he takes us home individually by death? How should we live the rest of our days? So here we are. Uh, Let me me walk us through uh, some points here this morning. The first one is this. Uh, One out of seven, okay, if you're keeping score, this is number one. A person is not justified by the works of the law, verse 16. If you look down at verse 16, it says this. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works, works of the law. As you see this, you could skip down to the latter uh, part of verse 16. Actually, the last one, because... By works the last the last line of verse sixteen because by works of the law, no one will be justified. you see it twice two times and and you think about that word justified maybe you don't think about that word, maybe you don't know what that word means, but uh it's it's the idea of being right with God, being right with God that uh there's no you know sin or or uh rough relationship with God I want to be right with God I, I I want to have him say you are right with me it's interesting as I was thinking about this word um the the Jews were seeking to be right with God so they got circumcised so they ate these foods or didn't eat these foods And they they took great pains to do different things, hoping that they could become sinless and yet all the time failing just as we fail. Um, You think about the different, if you look at the Old Testament in in terms of sin, it's just one page after sin, sin, after sin, after sin, after sin, every page. It's not a, you know, a highlight reel of God's chosen people. It's one failing after the other, right? And so if they thought that they were going to be right with God by keeping the law, they did a poor job doing it. And I would say this, so do you and me, if we're thinking that we're going to uh, be right with God by the things that we, we're done. And so, and so Paul highlights this. He, he repeats himself that no one is justified by the works of the law. It, it can't be done. It isn't done. I think it's interesting, too, uh, that a lot of times we ask people, uh, do you know God? Are are your sins forgiven? Are you right with God? And they say, well, sure, sure, sure I am. And you say, how do you know? And, And what they say afterwards is very telling. What you would say afterwards is very telling. If someone responds to that question and they say, well, I'm a good person, wrong answer. It's not even accurate. It's not, it's not even accurate. You say, well, uh, I, I've tried my best. I've tried my best. So yesterday I went to a wedding. I went to a wedding. I got to be a part of a wedding and um, I, I went to the um, reception and uh, I, I saw some people from the church and and, and I realized that the table was full. And then I saw the table next to it, and I realized my grandson was sitting there. And so I'm like, this is great. I'm going to go sit with my grandson, who's less than two, okay? And I realized I sat down at the kid's table, a kid's table. It, it, was a, it was a strategic move for me. Like, it was the best ever, right? And so I'm, I'm sitting, my grandson's in his... Uh, in his high chair he's almost two and then I'm sitting by Dean Miller who explained to me that he was four he was four so I got a two-year-old and a four-year-old I got crayons I got coloring pages two boys okay and and so you can imagine you can imagine the artwork that we were doing right and and uh my, my grandson, he's hes not really doing much, but he's sorting through the crayons, and he wants different colors, but he's not doing much at all. And then Dean, uh, he is an artist in the making. He's just grabbing the crayons and doing this. And he, he says, and he looks, he, he's real proud of it, and he shows it to me, and he goes, see? And, and as he's picked it up, it's all over the um, tablecloth too, right? You know, orange and brown and various other colors and, and he's so proud of it and I'm going yeah that's a disaster <laughs> you know and I want to tell you that's our best that's our best That's our best we, we we're so proud of what we can do and uh, y- you think that God's going to be like your grandma and he says oh I don't, I don't care that you've made a mess of your life it's okay, you can bring your filthiness in, but it's not true. You're not right with God because you want to be right with God. It's not, you're not right with God because you accept what you've done. You're not right with God because your family accepts or culture accepts or your pastor accepts. You're not right with God because of any of those things. And so as you look at this, you, you realize there's a desire to be justified, to be declared right by God, that he would say, you're in with me, I accept your life. And yet the things that we've done make us unacceptable to him. And so initially, we, all of us have this feeling, well, I'll just work really hard, I'll just work really hard. And yet you know, we read uh, the word of God. As Paul describes, and he says, no one, no one, end of verse 16, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. That includes me and you. That includes me and you. Jews, Gentiles, everybody. No one will be able to justify themselves before a holy God. So, so get that right in your mind. Say it again. Say it again for the people in the back. I'm not talking about you, but maybe I am. Say it again. It is not by works of the law that we can be justified. Which brings me to my second point. A pers- so if a person is not justified by the works of the law, second point, a person is justified by faith in Jesus Christ. By faith in Jesus Christ. I want you to hear that. That word faith In Jesus Christ. If you are saved today, you have placed your faith, your trust, you believe in Jesus Christ. Not just that He existed, but these two words, Jesus Christ, I've shared this with you before. Jesus is His name. Like, my name is Kevin. Uh, his name was Jesus, and sure, it means something in the sense of connected with the Old Testament, Joshua, and the, sa- the one who saves, and there's much meaning to the name, but it was his name. But in this passage, I, I think it's interesting, as Paul reiterates, and he-, he wants to share, he wants them to be clear about this message. He- he- if you look down at verse 17, verse 17. Um, I'm sorry, back up, verse 16. There's a lot in there. (laughs) Yeah, we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Mark that in your mind, maybe mark it in your Bible. That's how one is right with God. How, How is one justified? By faith, by faith, through faith, in Jesus Christ. Jesus is his name. Christ is what he did. He, he was the Messiah. He was the one who was the Holy One. He was the Savior. And as he went to the cross, he fulfilled the plan of the Father in the Son that he, he died on the cross for sinners like me and you. He died, he rose again. And it's only through him that you and I can be right with God, that we can be justified. And so we say a person is justified by faith in Jesus Christ. It's not what I did, it's what Jesus did. Uh, Brandon uh, shared a a video with the women on Wednesday morning with Alistair Begg. And uh, it was such a great clip. And maybe we'll throw it up on our uh, Facebook page or on the YouTubes or uh, one of those other. God-hating uh, platforms that we can share the gospel on. Uh, but Alistair Begg talks about the, 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 the man on the cross, not Jesus, but the one who he said, you'll be in paradise with me. And, and, and it wasn't about what he had done, it was about what Jesus had done. He didn't talk about what he had done. If you talk about what you have done, you are not the one that can save yourself. You can't make yourself right with God. It's what Jesus has done, and this is what we should cling to as we think of our own faith. It's interesting, he highlights Jesus Christ three times in verse 16. He says, you know, that person is not justified by works of the law, but, but right here, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have also believed Christ Jesus. There it is, number two. In order that we would be justified by faith in Christ. Paul, you told us, okay, we're getting it. It's only about Jesus. It's what he did on the cross. It's him being the Christ. It's him being the one who who stands in our place, who's the atoning sacrifice that we might be right with God. This is the only way. This is the only way. And this is the one gospel. This is the one gospel. And and, and I want to tell you that he he said in verse chapter 1 that there's, Another gospel, actually, there's not another gospel. There's a false gospel. There's a lot of false gospels. There's only one gospel, but you have gone after another gospel. And so he's clarifying that it's only about Jesus Christ. So a person is not justified by works of the law. A person is, number two, a person is justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Number three, number three. Just skip down, um, just highlighting this passage. But as we look at uh, Paul, Paul writes this. He says, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. Now, Number three, the point of number three is this. I I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This is what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ. This is how we live the day after, okay? I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He uses the word crucified or crucifixion. Now, uh, if you know the New Testament... You've been in church before who's the headliner when it comes to being crucified it's Jesus right it's this big deal it's it's very different uh, in our culture it would be you know lethal injection or the electric chair and yet even that's not at, at all close to what we're talking about when it comes to crucifixion crucifixion was meant to show don't mess with the government uh, it, it was meant for everyone to know this, there's a shame to the cross because this person did wrong so much so that they need to die for what they have done. And, and, and I want to tell you, um, so you, you think about how people die. Uh, and I, I don't mean to be morbid, but I, I want you to get this point. Uh, a lot of people die in accidents, accidents, whether it be medical malpractice they're on the 58 freeway they're on you know they're they're coming home like there's different ways to die and 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 people don't necessarily wake up in the morning and say I'm gonna die today you know Uh, sometimes you might think that you might feel that you might say hey I'm going to LA I might die today you know any number of ways any number of ways When people die, uh, there's, there's accidents in our mind. There's things that we, we didn't think about and we weren't necessarily prepared for, and we just happen to die. There's other times where people say, uh, I'm going to go kill somebody. I'm going to go kill somebody. Or maybe there's this idea where you have a firearm or a knife or the way you're driving or various other things. And By accident, by accident, not on purpose, one kills another one. But this word used here is crucified. And it is meant to connect with Christ, but it's also meant for us to think about the purpose and intent of crucifixion. And he says... I've been crucified there was a purpose to my death there was there was a purpose there was a meaning to it it wasn't whoops I died it was on purpose I died there was a reason I had to die and I want you to get this the reason I want you to get it, because it's, it's a stark contrast in verse 20 when he says, I have been crucified with Christ. Christ, there was not an accident that he was crucified, and then us connecting with him, it's not an accident that we have been crucified. It was on purpose. It was uh, part of the plan that our life would now change so dramatically that it would seem like death and a new life after. I have been crucified with Christ. And now he's describing what is it that we do after? I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. The change uh, that happens because of salvation is that Christ now is a resident in me. He is the reason that I'm still living and not dead. He is the life. He is with me every step of the way how do you live each day it's with christ it's with christ him living in you him prompting you him changing you him uh taking your thoughts and and saying oh they're different now because now it's my life in you christ in you i want to i want to make sure we get this that is crucifixion a minor change or a major change it's the biggest, right? Life and death. Life and death. I think often uh, many of us live uh, um, what we would consider a moral life. And so we, we grew up in a good family and we get a good job and we did halfway well in school and we try to be a good citizen. And, and so we say, yeah, I need Jesus to kind of fine tune some of the areas of my life. And I want to tell you, Paul did not believe that. So you should not believe that because the Spirit of God inspired Paul to write this down for us here that we would see it as authoritative. The answer for us today is this, that our life without Christ was unacceptable to God. And so we trust in Christ, his finished work on the cross. So that old life, it's gone. It's been crucified. And the new life is now in him. Killed with purpose and intent, and now in him. Number four, he says this uh, in verse 20. It's no longer I live, but Christ lives in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I I find this interesting. Um, How do you live the day after? Well, how did you come to faith? How how do you get justified? What's the word? What's the one word? By faith. By faith. That's how you get saved. That's how you become justified. How do you live? What's the one word? It's the same word. Are you tracking? Faith brings you to salvation. Make can, It justifies you with a holy God. And you say, well, how do I walk now? How do I live now? By faith in the Son of God. The same one. The same one. The same one that saved us is the same one we now live in, trusting in him. I live by faith in the Son of God The same God that went uh, to the cross now is the one that we are trusting in for living day to day. In the midst of this, Paul Paul says something that he can't get away from and we should not get away from either. At the end of verse 20, he says, and and this is the next point, that was four, I live by faith in the Son Son of God, number five, who loved me and gave himself for me who loved me and he gave himself for me. Jesus loves me, this I know. for the Bible tells me so. What what did the Bible tell you? The Bible told you what Paul just wrote. Paul thought about it in his own life. We should think about it in our life. Is that God loved me so much that he sent his son Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me. Gave himself for me. How do you know someone loves you? Or how do you know how much someone loves you? By what they're willing to do for you. What they're willing, the extent that they are willing to go to show their love for you. And as you look at this, you realize that, that Paul was overwhelmed that God had loved him. Why was that such a big deal? Because of what Paul had done. What did Paul Done. He was killing Christians, right? He was trying to eradicate the church. He was zealous for the anti-gospel, right? He was zealous for it. And, and I'm sure, in his weak moments, Paul was overwhelmed with grief of the days and the instances that he recalls and the faces of the people that he persecuted and the the things that he was so wrong about he was he was so wrong, he was so wrong and not justified it right in the eyes of god and 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 so, as he looks upon his His salvation, but also looks upon his days, he said, I now live for the one who loved me first, and he gave himself for me. I want to say this because I can't get away from it. Ephesians 5 says, Husbands love your wives. Husbands love your wives. How? Just as Christ loved the church. Says that Jesus you know, was the picture of the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's what it looks like, man. I don't care what a pain your wife is. (laughs) Present company excluded, present company excluded, right? Lay down your life, that's what it looks like. How how do you know, how do you know that Jesus loves you? He laid down his life, gave himself up. And this should be this overwhelming riches that we carry in the gospel that, that should be motivation for the day. As you say, you know, I, I want to live selfishly like I used to live, but, but that, that life is gone. It's been crucified. And how do I now live? I now live with Christ in me, the one who loved me so much. He's the one. I, I want you to get this because Paul wants you to get this because I think it's important, because I think it's revolutionary. In verse 21, he says this, I I do not nullify the grace of God. Now, let's talk about the grace of God. What is the grace of God? It's the idea that God loves sinners apart from them not being sinners, right? Right? that he extended the hand in grace for salvation. He said, I wanna save you, I'm calling you to myself. Why? Because you're good? Because you followed the commandments? Because you're worthy in and of yourself? Because I need a good player on the team? No, none of that. He says, out of my own goodness and my love for you as wicked ones, I extend my grace to you that you might be justified, that you might be right with me. And and Paul says this as he's talking about this new life in Christ and how we live the next day. He says this. Do I set aside the grace of God? So when I counsel people, marriages especially, parenting too, Pretty much any situation this comes up. People don't come in for counseling unless something's wrong, right? They don't. And, and a lot of times people come in and they have marriage problems and they say, my wife did this or my husband did this. What should I do? And, and they're like, is it a mess? And like, I can't believe he did this or I can't believe she did this. What a mess. How do we get over this? And I said, well, I don't know. I don't know. Are they, you, you know do they, do they want to be forgiven? How we could talk about those things for a while. But sometimes the offenses are so grievous and so difficult, and you say, you know, how can I get over this? Maybe sometimes your kids are so difficult, and you go, how, how am I going to continue on? And I want to say this. Back up a step. Back up a step. Does God love you? Yes. How did he love you? Well, you know, he called me to himself at this point in time and forgave me of my sins. Let's talk about that. How did he forgive you of your sins? Did you work really hard to clean those up or did he just forgive you? Well, I tried. Yeah, but did it work? No, it didn't, didn't work. didn't work. I couldn't clean myself up. So he loved you apart from you being clean. Yes. And he's in the process of taking care of me by his grace. Guess what? That's needed in your marriage. Grace. It's not that if someone doesn't want it and there's unrepentant sin, that you, that, you know, you be ready to extend grace. You think about your kids. How many, how many times will your kids need grace? Lots. You know how I know. Because I needed lots, right? Lots of grace. In your relationships, lots of grace. Why? Because we've needed lots of grace. And so, as Paul looks upon life now, he says this Do I cross out the grace of God? And this is what I want you to get. This is so good. Some of us think, So, I was dead in my trespasses and sins, I was a mess came to faith in Jesus. It was kind of like Paul, you know, I, he knocked me off my feet and he, he showed me that he was the way and I came to faith and then I worked really hard to do it by myself to please him. Paul says, no, I don't nullify the grace of God. We, we needed grace of God at the point of salvation and for every day after that. Listen to this. He says this, Uh, Verse 21, he says, "I, I do not nullify the grace of God for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Read that at your seats by yourself for a moment. May it be seared in your mind. If righteousness could be through the law, if righteousness, so the grace of God Let me talk to you about the grace of God some more before we move on. There was the moral Jew. There was the moral Jew who sought to fulfill all those laws, but they didn't. But they found themselves to be moral. And they were hoping that they would be justified by their works. But we look at this passage, the moral Jew was not justified by his works. He wasn't. Then you have the generational Jew who who looked at his lineage and the things that that the family that he had. And he he said, I'm part of God's chosen people. And I just want to say he was not justified by his family name. You go to the immoral Gentile uh, who's just living life doing whatever they want. Of course they're not justified by their works because their works speak of their idolatry and their self, selfishness and other kinds of sins that they commit. So they're not saved either. And the moral Gentile, the one who thinks that he's a good person apart from being a Jew, apart from being like those other Gentiles who are selfishly, the prideful Gentile, He's not justified by his works. Why? Because his works as the moral Jew are insufficient to save him. And so you look at this and some of you are sitting here, well, who, who's the, the moral Gentile? It might be you. You say, I I really try to discipline my kids. I'm trying to stay faithful to my wife. I I pay my taxes. I work hard. I'm I'm, I'm a good American. I'm doing these things. I'm not like those people in the prison over there. I'm not like them. And yet, your works, your best works, are insufficient for you to be justified And so if they're insufficient for you to be justified, guess what? They're insufficient for you to be sanctified, to be changed into what God wanted you to be, saved you to be. Listen to this. And and I I think this is like one of the most powerful things that we should remember over and over again. How does verse 21 end? Then Christ died for no purpose. Christ died for no purpose. Christ died for your salvation Christ died to change you, that we would place our faith in him for our salvation, but also for our sanctification. Hope this is helpful. And I want to say this. This is a transition. This is what I I believe the rest of the book is about, is how to live these days after. God, thank you so much for your word. I, I do pray that these words would bounce around in our head, that you would make them part of our, our, our um, intellect and our mind and our thinking and the fabric of what we are. May we see ourselves not as a life that's been tuned up by the gospel, but may we see our lives as dramatically changed because of Jesus. As he was crucified, may we see ourselves as crucified and now living because Christ lives in us. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for each one here. Glorify yourself in your church, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.